Hello, alongside Ryan, sir. I'm Don Helbig, and welcome to the Pick Six, the podcast by the Attractions Group, where we bring you the latest and greatest stories from the world of the attractions and amusement industry. Thanks, Don. Before we dive into this week's Pick Six, let me remind our listeners where they can tune in to our podcasts. Uh, you can catch us on all your favorite podcast platforms Apple, Google, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share with your fellow attraction enthusiasts. All right, Ryan, let's jump into the latest news with the attractions industry. You go first. Let's do story number one. Big news coming out of the San Antonio Zoo. Uh, they secured a whopping $10 million gift from the Ralston Family Charitable Foundation. This cash injection will fuel a massive two-acre expansion featuring a new entryway, an event center, and even a gorilla habitat. And that's where the money is, the gorilla habitat. Uh the entrance is set to welcome visitors by the end of the year with the event center and grill exhibit opening expected to wrap up in 2025. They're going to have the opening, the, the, the entrance by the end of the year. That's incredibly fast. It is fast. Um, you know, we oftentimes will drop in something about the zoo. Uh, they're, you know, they're part of the attractions industry, you know, just like theme parks are. So I think it's always good to, to see that, uh, you know, that they're still, you know, improving the experience for those who are going to the zoo and San Antonio Zoo. I've always heard it's nice. I've never been there, uh, but it's great to see. And and I'm a big fan of uh, when I go to zoos of, of the gorilla exhibits. And it's it's great to see that this is getting some attention. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool. And like even our local zoo kind of in this market in Cincinnati, it seems like they get some sort of endowment. And then like we're going to spend three million dollars on giraffes. And it's like, heck, yeah, giraffes. But gorillas are gorillas are really fun. They're interesting characters, aren't they? Animals, right? I, I, I completely agree. But um, the cool part is, is uh, when they do upgrade these things, um, the standards of care for these animals is typically uh, up, updated. Uh, and I'm speaking out of term. I'm just kind of talking about what I do know. But, um, you know, it's they're able to to give the, the animals a better environment. While at the same time, the guest experiencing it can see them up close. Uh, and it's they're not in cages or they're not with a trowel in between them that keeps them 100 feet away. So San Antonio Zoo, uh, really happy for you. Congratulations. Well, exciting times for the San Antonio Zoo indeed. Now shifting gears to Disneyland, Fantasmic is making a comeback after a year-long hiatus due to a fiery incident involving the animatronic dragon. So mark your calendars for May 24th. That may seem way down the road, but it's not really that far away. Uh, so it'll... It'll open again May 24th at Disneyland. Now, however, the dragon figure, it won't be part of the show this time around. Instead, expect a new special effects in the epic showdown between Sorcerer Mickey and Maleficent. Yeah, I've always heard that, um, fant like, I I've heard conflicting things about Fantasmic at Disneyland. I've heard it's the better of the two shows between Disneyland and Disney World. But the feedback that I always get is, the difference is you can sit during the one at Disney World, but the one at Disneyland, you have to stand for like an hour and a half. You can sit on the ground. <laughs> you can sit on. I did. I've seen the one at Disneyland. It was it was fantastic. Uh, just an amazing show. Uh, I still leaned a little bit toward the one at uh, Walt Disney World as being a little bit better. I just think you know with the water, um, the boats, and that it just. I don't know. It just it just was a little bit better at, at Walt Disney World, uh, but the Disneyland one is is very good. Uh, but it's really it's it's you know it's been a staple there, so it's great to see that it's coming back. 
Yeah. Um, so I've seen Fantasmic four times now. Uh, and, and, uh, one of the times was actually kind of a surprise. It was the last time I was down at Disney. This is Disney world's Fantasmic, but we're talking about Fantasmic, not just Disneyland's Fantasmic, but, um, we rode galaxy's edge or I'm sorry, um, rise of the resistance at galaxy's edge and got out of the ride a few minutes before close. And I was looking at the app to see if like there was like some sort of wait time where we can get a line. And I see that they have the park closed at nine and they had a second show at nine 30. And I was like, that can't be right. I actually asked the cast member and they're like, no, there's, there's a show at nine 30 after the park closes. So we, we got to catch it without a plan and it wasn't all that crowded. It, it was incredible. So, I mean, I don't need to sell you on it, Don, but if it, any of you guys are listeners and you haven't seen Fantasmic at uh, Disney's Hollywood studios. Mm. Well, let me ask you this. You've seen a lot of shows at the Orlando parks. You've seen shows at Six Flags. You've seen the Cedar Fair shows. Would you say of all the shows you've seen, Fantasmic, does it make, like, say, your top three? Fantasmic is number two behind uh, Illuminations at Epcot. Where's the place for you? Okay. I put it at number one. Really? I put it at number. I just, I just love it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's always something going on. You always notice something different the next time that you see it. Um, I have seen it more than 30 times between there and Disneyland. Uh, so there was always something a little different that I noticed. Um, yet, I mean, that's to me, if that was the only thing I did when I went to, uh, Disney world, I, I would go back home you know, happy I made the trip, excited about it because just the values there for that show. I and mean, it's just, just tremendous. Yeah. Um, the, the first time I saw it this year, I remember we had, we bought the, uh, dining package. So we ate at, uh, Hollywood and Vine and then got to have like exclusive entry into Fantasmic, which it was a really good deal for, especially if you haven't seen Fantasmic before. Um, and we went in and we got to sit in the second row center. And I was like, there are so few people in front of us and like almost nobody can see as well as we can. I can like kind of smell the, Oh wait, Don's daughter's two rows in front of me in the very front row. So your daughter was there on her, um, on her honeymoon. And she, she, she took advantage of it and sat in the few seats that they have the short benches right on the railing. Um, but you know, we, we still sat in the, the second row and got wed. So <laughs> I guess she took that risk, but um, yeah, great show. Great show. Great show. Cool. All right. Moving Let's on. Move along. So a um, little bit of disappointing news out of our favorite park, Kings Island. Um, this has been widely reported in the news recently. Uh, the Mason, Ohio theme park uh, quietly dropped their 2024 operating calendar on their website, uh, revealing that they have 6 p.m. closures during the week in May. Um, they're not staying till open on the 4th of July as they had as a tradition. Um, and they're closing daily operations on August 12th, which is about a week earlier. Um, the reduced operating calendar is being attributed by the park to staffing issues, despite previous claims proudly boasted of being fully staffed in a wait list for their jobs. Well, you know, the thing that, you know, I look at is in previous years, and this goes back to before I even started working there, it was always a big deal when the calendar came out. You know, you would uh, send that to the media and you would highlight on all the, you know, the different things, the midnight closes and that when daily operation began. Um, 
And uh, this year it was just kind of quietly put out there on their website. You know, so I think that kind of caught me more than anything else was just, you know, let's put this out there and, you know, hope nobody notices. Do you think that that's the reason why um, when the word finally did get out? Because I know like locally, John Matarese did a story and then I, I saw a couple more feeder stories that the narrative was the park released its calendar with some unwanted surprises because they got it from what blog was that that they got it from? Um Theme park tourist. Yeah, I theme park say. tourist. That was their headline. So they 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 took it from the headline rather than going with any other narrative. Like, do you, do you think that that correlates with the fact that it, it wasn't touted this time of like, hey, let's all look forward to twenty twenty four. I you know I I don't know what the reasons you know for not doing that. I think when you have an opportunity with your operating calendar, whether it's got less days, more days, whatever it might be, it's an opportunity for you you know, from your social channels or from the media to to be able to get a link back to your website where you can, you know, then people can buy tickets, buy season passes, see the upcoming event with Winterfest and that. So if you just put it out there and don't do anything with it, you know, I just to me, it's about those missed opportunities. And uh, I, I just think that that was something that, uh, you know, they could have uh, you know, taking advantage of that because it's always been a big deal, you know, for 50 plus years when the, the operating calendar came out and all of a sudden this year it was just kind of quietly put out there. So, you know, back in May, May 25th, let's say it was that date of uh, 2023, uh, there was, uh, you know, a tweet that was put out that said that uh, it linked to, or a screenshot of LinkedIn that said that there's a wait list to work at the park and, um, implying, of course, not with saying, but implying that they were fully staffed and that, you know, they were just packed to the gills with people. Um, do you think that, do you think that whatever they're doing this year or this coming year is different from last year? Because if they were fully staffed last year, not, not far from the same time that they're closing at six because of staffing, it, what, what do you think has changed? Well, I think, you know, just what changes, but they just had to cut some cost. And when you start cutting cost, uh, now the associates who are getting their 35, 40 hours a week, you know, now you're getting 20, 25, maybe even as low as 15. Uh, so I think you lose some people that way because they weren't getting the hours that they wanted. And I think that may have, you know, later in the summer, something may have created some um, staffing issues. But I know early in the year, you know, that wasn't the problem. And there were a lot of parks around the country that were having those issues, uh, but wasn't happening at, at Kings Island because, you know, they really did have, uh, you know, very good staffing numbers to begin the 2023 season. So very good uh, numbers to begin the 2023 season, but they haven't begun hiring for 2024, but they're predicting that they will not have very good staffing numbers for 2024 without taking applications yet. I, I just, for me, it's something about it uh, is very fishy, but I digress. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And it's, like I said, it is tough in the industry to, um, you know, not just the theme park industry, but you go anywhere. You know, everyone's got a shortage of of workers. You go to Wendy's, you go to McDonald's, um, Target. You know, it, it's it's kind of a uh, just a trend in, you know, every industry out there. Uh, but I do know it was in really good shape going into 2023. And, you know, what happened from that point, you know, I don't know. Um, 
and then looking at you know 2024 you know it seemed like just based on the news stories it just seemed like they were anticipating that there would be a staffing issue before 2024 jobs even went on you know became available online is that what is that how you read it Park spokesperson said that the calendar is subject to change, as many things are subject to change when it comes to the park, um, and said that they might add operating days. Uh, I, I would be shocked if they do. Um, but some of the conspiracy theorists out there are thinking, well, if they have it, if they close at six, the days that they have like the the school kids and stuff, their primary focus is so people with season passes can't go there between six and eight. And, uh, you know, get a free meal and then leave. Like, was that ever discussed when you were there? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, all all I know, Ryan, is when I when I look at this story is that it's puzzling to me that for the first time since 1972, nothing was mentioned about our calendar is now available for the next year. Whether it was a news release or whether it was on social media it just was quietly put out there and that's what caught my attention and i i know that uh just looking at some different comments you know out there on social media it caught some other people's attention too that it was just kind of like slipped out there and uh let's just hope right now nobody notices kind of a kind of a feel to it yeah and honestly like it's one of those things where like i don't think this is a bait and switch like the prestige pass was or whatever but it would have been nice to have had this operating calendar before a plurality of the season passes were sold, you know, um, I wonder if the calendar was honestly, honestly in earnest settled and then they released it immediately. Or if season passes went on sale and they let the, you know, the end of season thing go and let that sale go. And then they're like, Oh, by the way, we're cutting all this operating time, thus devaluing the pass. But uh, once again, uh, some some parks, yeah, some parks were able to uh, always release their operating calendars quicker than Kings Island. Uh, Kings Island has been a park that, as you get, you know, at the beginning of the season, there's normally like a park, you know, buyout, so you have to wait to make sure that you know that's still going to happen. You get to the fall, you know, if you look at their calendar right now, it only goes to Labor Day, so there's some of those weekends in September, you know, that, you know, you have to get those, you know, buyouts that have you know, traditionally always been there, you know, get those all confirmed and settled before you can release the fall calendar and your winter calendar. So because of those reasons, you know, that there's always people wondering why it takes so long for Kings Island to get theirs out there when other parks, you know, are out there like in August or September when the next year calendar is. It's just because of those factors that, you know, they have that some of the other parks don't have to, to try to work around. So like Canada's Wonderland, for example, for, for this year, for 2023, added, added operating days for Winterfest, which means that they're confident in their staffing. Why don't they just take a page from their book and staff for next year doing that? Because, uh, like, Canada's Wonderland doesn't have dorms, I don't think. You know, that's a huge advantage that not a lot of parks have. Cedar Point and Kings Island, you know, as far as seasonal parks are concerned. Um, again, there's <laughs> something fishy going on. Don, what's next? Well, now, Ryan, let's talk holiday cheer. Uh, Bush Gardens in Tampa is ahead of the game with Christmas Town kicking off uh, this past weekend. Uh, from dazzling lights uh, to festive menu items, uh, shows. Um, it, it's a winter wonderland for visitors. 
which is kind of nice when you're in Florida to have uh, something created as a winter wonderland because they don't really get to experience that. So you want to go to Bush Gardens to see what winter is like. And, uh, you know, they also have a new walkthrough dragon in the um, Jungala area this year. So it's that time of the year. You know, parks are opening their holiday events and Bush Gardens Tampa was the first to do it. Absolutely, Don. In a recent development, Cedar Point has officially announced the acquisition of a property at 2206 Cleveland Road, that's US 6 in Sandusky, Ohio, which will serve as an auxiliary human resource office. The former Firelands Auto Group dealership sold the three-acre site to Cedar Point for $1.5 million, as reported by Justin Dietz of the Sandusky Register last week. The strategic move comes as Firelands Auto Group consolidates its locations, prompting the sale. Presently, Cedar Point's human resource offices occupies the parking lot near the marina and famous Dave's restaurant with the relocation of HR staff to Cleveland Road property an intriguing opportunity arises for the surrounding area. They've moved a lot of stuff off the peninsula. Um, you know, a lot of infrastructure stuff, don't you think? Yeah, they have over the past couple of years. So this was uh, an interesting development uh, to purchase this uh, building that is on uh, what is it, Cleveland road. Uh, I don't know that there's a ton of space for you to do anything like major where that uh, building is near the famous Dave's. Um, but you can do some other things with it there, you know, have some kind of a park experience, maybe a smaller, you know, type ride or something in that area. Um, you know, it does create, you know, like, like you said, an intriguing opportunity for that surrounding area. Yeah. I think that the, the future of Cedar point is off of the peninsula. Um, you know, a, lo a lot of friends of mine and I have fantasized about Cedar Point taking all the parking off the peninsula and then putting it on in the, you know, in the city Sandusky proper and having transportation. So they'd have all that parking lot area. I don't know if that'll ever happen necessarily, but certainly moving infrastructure and administrative offices and stuff like that off of the peninsula is, uh, is certainly something that they're looking to do. I mean, that's very evident. Um, but somebody at the meetup said that they plan on building another causeway. Have you heard about that? They're always trying to find ways to, you know, help with getting guests into the park and getting them out. Uh, if you are someone that arrives maybe 20 minutes before the park opens, that causeway gets backed up pretty bad, especially on a Saturday. Or if you stay till park closing and you're trying to get out, um, you know, it can take you, you know, 45 minutes to an hour just to get, you know, to like uh, Route 6 or something like that, or just get off the causeway. So I think they're always looking for ways to improve that. Uh, so that would make sense. Yeah, I remember something they negotiated something with the admissions tax about expanding the causeway. I think they're going to add lanes, especially for like emergency vehicles. But I, I, I definitely think there's got to be a better way. Um, and another thing that people I mean, it happens enough that people notice is they have a lot of water main breaks and stuff like that on the causeway because the infrastructure is really old. And if there's any kind of fender bender, I mean, it just stops all the traffic. I've been stuck on the peninsula for three hours one time where they were just telling people just hang out. It's not worth it. Yeah. I've had that situation coming in, not going out, but coming in where it's just been, you know, I'm backed up all the way to where like the thirsty pony is. And it takes me like 30, 40 minutes just to get into the parking lot. Yeah. There was one time when friends of mine were, uh, we were all going to meet at Cedar point. They were staying in Akron and we were, in Sandusky with the intention of going to Cedar point and the causeway was backed up so much that we actually 
went to lunch and ate and kind of hung around for an hour and a half waiting for it to die down. So that kind of saved us a little bit of time, but yeah, good for them. Um, I don't necessarily think that this means they're getting another gig or anything like that, but uh, I believe that they do have long-term plans to move a lot of their utilities and offices and administration off the peninsula, which frees up more space for whatever they want to do with their land. Cool. All right, moving along. All right. Well, well, wrapping up with Six Flags news, the end of the fall season brought excitement with the debut of new attractions at both Six Flags Fiesta Texas and Six Flags over Georgia. Kid Flash, the comic coaster, uh, supplied by Skyline Attractions, it debuted and promises a thrilling experience for families. Uh, the installation is a single rail style track system that features trains on a pair of tracks that intertwine, that cross over and under each other. Uh, each park had one junior coaster in its arsenal, but the debuts of Kid Flash Comic Coaster, uh, that brought in newer family fun in a spectacular way at these two parks. Yep, and we discussed in the main Attractions Group podcast uh, this week. Uh, so they won the uh, Brass Ring Award for new innovation. So congratulations to Skyline Attractions with that. Uh, the Aurora package is just absolutely incredible. That's my favorite part of it. And it looks like it's going to be a big win for both of these Six Flags parks. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. All right. So, Don, as we wrap up pick six, do you have any final thoughts? Ryan, why did the Scarecrow win a Nobel Prize? I don't know, Don. Why did the Scarecrow win a Nobel Prize? Because it was outstanding in its field. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out because it was such a dad joke. Totally kidding. It was outstanding in its field. <laughs> Did you get that from a, like a bazooka wrapper or something like that? Just came to mind as we were talking. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I hope people listen to the end for your jokes because I'll be here all you'll week. You'll be here all week. I'll be here all <laughs> Two week. shows on Saturday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought we were going to be able to draw a lot more attention to ourselves with these jokes, but this is not working out well. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, everybody. Um, Ryan, sir, along with Don Helbig. <laughs>